Hey, it's EJ here. Um, we're, we're trying something a bit different. With the Fire and Ice factions coming to Board Game Arena um, to sort of get people who haven't played with them before and to try and help people out, we've recorded some guides to the Fire and Ice factions. So one guide for Volcano, one for Ice, and one for the Variable factions. Uh, so they're going to be coming out soon. Um, I'm not sure how useful it's going to be. I'm not sure how well it's going to work, having a guide in audio form. Um, obviously, the the real guy who... Um, you want to talk to about guides is Zoras. And so I'm waiting for Zoras to join me on Discord here. Uh, and to begin with, Zoras is just going to give us a little bit of information about um, the extra scoring tiles from the Fire and Ice expansion. So as well as the extra factions, you've also got the extra end game scoring options. Um, and those you can play without the Fire and Ice factions. Most people know this, but on Board Game Arena, you can play those with the base factions and they're already available on the standard game. The Fire and Ice factions are coming out of beta. Um, by the time you hear this, they might be out of beta. They might be just about to come out, but they'll be there soon. But you can already try the extra scoring. So we're going to talk a little bit about the extra scoring tiles and about... Um, Kind of about, uh, uh, Zoras also has a really great guide for the Yetis faction, which is not only really useful and probably much more useful than anything you'll get from me, uh, but pretty entertaining as well. So I would highly recommend giving that a look. Um, yeah, so hopefully Zoras will join soon. I would say that, um, yeah, I hope the faction guides are useful in an audio form um something that uh i think matt the lesser suggested is you know give them a listen and then maybe play a few games if you if you've not played with the expansion factions um at all and you don't know you don't know them well at all maybe give the guides a listen try and have a look at the faction boards and then play a few games with those factions uh, and then you might want to come back and have another listen once you're familiar with them. Um, have another listen, and then you might find that the sort of advanced, the slightly more advanced tips of how to play those factions and specific strategies might be more useful. Uh, going back for a second listen, um, and maybe even you know refer back to them in future um, because there's a lot there. They're quite complicated initially to learn um yeah all that said i'm sure a lot of the folks listening to this are familiar with them and have, have played the expansion factions and some of you might be playing them for the first time on bga uh, and i hope then you still find the guide slightly useful uh, and maybe some have even been playing the fire and ice ladder from way back in the past and know them well but even so, I think the um, the opinion of because the guys who I spoke to for the guides are, are real expert players who've who are 
more familiar with them. So I think even if you're experienced with the expansion factions, you still might hopefully get something in terms of how those guys think about them and how they play them. So yeah, I'm hoping it's useful and I'm hoping it's entertaining. I'm not sure it will be. And I, if it is just a waste of time and doing this through an audio form doesn't work, well, my apologies, but hopefully it's good fun. I would say that also as part of the series, we've got a conversation with Rousefont, who is the board game arena developer. So he's talked to us a bit about being the developer, the custodian of, of BGA, uh, and also specifically what he's done to implement these Fire and Ice factions and extra features, uh, which is really great. It's really interesting, and we love Rousefont. He has done so much for us looking after this um, this implementation of BGA of of Terra Mystica on the BGA site. So, what a good guy, and hopefully an interesting conversation to listen to with him. There he is. Hello, Dave. Hey, how are you? I'm good, and you? Yeah, real good, real good. Um yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Basically I've I've had a go <laughs> at recording some audio guides for the expansion factions. Uh, oh yeah. With uh some of the like the fire and ice ladder guys, basically. Um uh-huh. and I, I mean I hope they're gonna be useful to people. Uh but partly I did it because I thought maybe you wouldn't make guides and I thought someone has to make some guides. But then on on the um on the day, I think it was like the day or the day before I was gonna record record the ice guides with Matt and Alessa, you posted your Yetis video. And I was like, Oh, that's so much better than anything I could do. <laughs> the the visual has for for sure, but uh I'm certainly looking forward to hear the guides from uh from the guys that you invited. I think that they are all well-seasoned and very good players, so I think that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think it brings... I th- yeah, I think it's an interesting to hear their... But it's interesting to hear their perspective, for sure. Um, but the other thing in the Fire and Ice expansion is the extra scoring tiles, which are already available on Board Game Arena even to play with the base factions, right? Yeah. Um, so what I was hoping to quickly talk to you about is what they are and then a, like a little bit of the strategy with those. That we don't, Not in a huge amount of detail, but just, a, yeah, like a quick look. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it, do you want to you, you go through them? Is, is that something you can uh, do? Okay, yeah. Well, yes, for sure. Uh, so there's um, extra scoring tiles, as they call, uh, and there's four of them. So the idea is that you add uh, a way to score uh, in the game, and this way will be counted at the end of the game. Um, so it's very similar to network, uh, but um, in the sense that it's scoring at the end of the game, in the sense that it's uh, the same points. So 18 points for first, 12 points for second, and 6 points uh, for the third. Um, 
However, uh, they are kind of different objectives, uh, and that's kind of what's very uh, both at the same time interesting about them and also mm. intimidating. Because uh, I remember the first time that I was offered to play with uh, the expansion tile. <laughs> I thought that was an awful idea. I remember because it's it's a heavy game, right, Terramiska? There's just so yeah. much manage already <laughs> without that. You know, it's like uh, if you've learned to juggle and all of a sudden someone is saying, like, <laughs> now you're going to do it on a unicycle. I can barely keep... <laughs> I, I can barely keep the ball in the air already. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I think all of them uh, offer an interesting challenge. Um, so there's four different of them. Uh, there's the edge, so which asks you to uh, build on the edge of the map, which um, the robot calls it outposts doesn't it is that what it refers to outpost yeah exactly yeah um, and um so requires you to build on the edge of the map and that's kind of um interesting because Terramistica, you're uh, motivated usually to build at the center of the map right because you want mm. as much reach as you can you want neighbors so uh, i think that's always good game design when you're push in two different direction um, mm -hmm. So it forces you to make like uh, meaningful choices. Do I go for the leech and the economic development from building in the middle, or do I go for the points uh, by building on the edge? So uh, that's, I think, one of the interesting points about that one. Um, yeah. And uh, then there is distance. Uh, so. Uh, in in which uh, you're trying to covering the largest amount of distance it's kind of hard to explain uh just like this uh, on audio but uh basically you count the edge between your two further apart dwellings or structure um, and that's yeah you just you can just go yeah find one structure and then just count go along the hexes go like sort of diagonally up and then across to your furthest yeah your next furthest structure yeah exactly wow that's a good way to put it um and that's uh an interesting one too because um it forces people to develop in a certain way. Uh, basically what you want to aim uh, will be for the diagonals uh, with this one. Uh, so, because that's how you can get the further distance. Uh, so, uh, we may have uh, occasion to talk a little more about that later, but it, it kind of adds predictability on how everyone is trying to build uh, their their game. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's clusters, uh, which uh, is so... Um, you have to build as many um how can i say that like islands of structures so yeah like isolated regions yeah yeah so you have like these directly connected uh structures which kind of forms uh, a little island or or clusters uh and you have to have as many of them uh which is again uh 
an interesting in the same way than the edge because uh, usually in the game you're very motivated by doing towns to do towns but if you do too uh, too much too many towns or too larger ones then you lose on clusters so often you'll have to sacrifice a town to compete on clusters and that's again an interesting strategic decision mm. I was just going to say that gets called settlements in the rules. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. I, I'm used to the snowman. The uh, snowman. Yeah. The snowman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we, we, for some reason, kind of reinvented the technology of the, the terminology of uh, Terra Mystica. That's why, like, we use trading post instead of trading house. The five eleven, five twelve. I only recently is... realized, yeah, that the rules calls them trading houses. It's crazy. <laughs> no one calls them trading houses, but that is what yeah. the rules refers to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so, um, uh, the sanctuary stronghold distance, which is called in the rules? Uh, I think that might just be called the same. Oh no, my document's frozen. <laughs> Hang on. It's called. Stronghold and Sanctuary, it's called. But uh, it's the, yeah, uh, it's the distance. That's not so good. Yeah. And uh, that's, again, a very interesting one because it's the one I find that forces you to plan the most. So um, first of all, it has some choices uh, because it's far from being all faction will want to build both Sanctuary and Stronghold. And it's very like um, cost heavy to do that. Uh, so that's often one in which we will see people just giving up on it early enough. Mm. Um, mm. And those will choose to go for it if they often, uh, if that's a faction that start with a stronghold, then it impacts a lot where you want to uh, build your upgrade your first dwelling. Um, even if you plan to do it later, your first temple. Thinking that it will become the sanctuary, you have to plan a lot, and you, you you'll mm. see like in these often expensive trading posts to be able to play the, the stronghold further. So it's it's a very interesting one too. Mm. Um, oh, I this is I can't believe I'm getting to hear Zora's strategy live. This is so good. Hear that voice <laughs> <laughs> that I've heard on so many videos explaining stuff, but I'm hearing it live. What what a privilege! Um, <laughs> the the thing to mention is that they always have to be connected, right? Any of yeah. these things, so your clusters, it doesn't. They have to be connected. Um, you can't have like a group of clusters in one side of the map and on the other side. Same with the the stronghold sanctuary; they have to be connected. Your outposts on the edge of the map. Again, it all has to be connected, so don't forget that when you're playing with them. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I know that's uh, one point that actually irritates some player about these extra scoring, uh, because uh, they feel like it's network that it, it puts too much uh, stress on connectivity in your game. Um, mm. which I believe is a fair point. It makes uh, small games harder to pull, although not impossible. And there's plenty of example of uh, I know, like for example, there's Barnwall recently who had a great uh, small game with uh, the Ice Maidens, and uh, you can look at Xivak 
uh, game I remember some. Uh, so it's still possible to have small gains, but of course it's true that it's it's a little harder. And uh, I think if you look at the Gaia project, um, they, they kind of remove this uh, this requirement of connectivity and probably it's i feel uh, it's a little bit of an admission that perhaps um, it was too much weight on connectivity uh, in, in mm. the, um, because uh, gaia project that's that's interesting in the kind of to get in the head of the designers they also have these two final conditions just like the expansion uh, and I think uh, it reflects the way they want uh, to develop a game uh, and that they have done uh, so um, even more from the base game expansion into Gaia project, try to uh, add different um, different context, I believe, different ways that uh, the game can unfold depending on different situations, I think. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so yeah, you were sort of talking there like about the general considerations and yeah, one is that you are more likely to be playing an expansive game and building more dwellings, whether that means to get a big distance or yeah, to build all those clusters. But yeah, in all of them, it's putting an emphasis on a connected network type game, um, which obviously implicates which faction you choose and yeah. For example, how you're going to play Swarmlings changes a lot based on that. Yeah, um, probably uh, Swarmlings will be uh, harder to play, I think, uh, with with the extra scoring, uh, because as uh, they are often aiming for this kind of small game plan. Uh, I <laughs> I personally think it's not a bad thing. <laughs> kind of have uh, swarmlings a little less strong because uh, they can they, they can tend to be a little uh, repetitive and a, a little scripted. Mm, yeah, especially when someone tells everyone the secret of how to play them well, <laughs> and everybody plays them like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, one of the problems of the of the videos. I mean, uh, it's. And it's a bit like the case of uh, I, I suppose you were referring to the the ultimate guides, and you tried when you do this to give um, as much as possible and under general understanding uh, of how to play the faction. But the faction that are easier to cover for ultimate guides are the ones that are more scripted. So um, mm. I like, I started with the ultimate guide, and it's because it's it's a scripted faction, and and same goes with. With uh, swarming skin. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so another sort of general thing about playing with these extra scorings that I've seen mentioned a lot is that it basically encourages more of a economy game, especially with regards to favor tiles, right? So you're more likely to pick an econ favor because you will be uh repaid for that with the points at the end of the game for this extra scoring option yeah uh, that's very true um so basically like again what what it has uh, at its core the extra scoring is a further way to score <laughs> um <laughs> uh, as 
as you have that, once you have more ways to score, uh, it will encourage, it will reward uh, more economy because then there's more ways to turn this economy into points. Uh, so it puts a little less emphasis on Earth One and a little more on economy. Um, so because you'll need to build, um, well, or uh, building more stuff has more chance to be rewarding. Mm. Um, so you'll see a little less hurt one uh, and a little more economic favor taken, uh, which I think strikes just the right balance. I think the base game was already pretty good on that. I, I mean, I would say even amazingly good in terms of de game design to kind of balance the stroke uh, for because. Uh, it's very rare that uh, a player starts the game and because it can get hurt one is out of the game. It can be out of the game for different reasons, but usually that's mm. not the reason. You know, uh, there's usually enough ways to score to compensate in, in most setup. Uh, but in, in the expansion, I would say that you never feel like hurt one is too important. I, I've never felt this way in an expansion game. I think, I, I think that's great. Uh, mm. um, um so that's great for this reason uh there's more ways to score uh and that put less emphasis in earth one uh, but also it kind of allows for diverse gameplay so that's interesting too yeah sure sure um is there is there anything else that there's nothing that i'm aware of is there anything else that's kind of a general like how these scoring tiles influence the game broadly like not specific uh, yeah. to any of them is, is there anything else yeah i'd say um two things um it's um it's kind of um interesting to consider and i'm curious to see uh, how that will uh impact the bga implementation uh first first thing i would say generally what these tiles add is context what's what i would call contextuality uh in the sense that it makes uh faction or faction selection or the strong uh, what faction will be strong and what faction will, won't be strong more contextual so um or more context sensitive uh, so uh, if you uh, usually like in the base game for example uh, you have uh, of course there will be setups in which some faction are stronger and some setups in which some faction are weaker but that's magnified uh, in mm. in the expansion uh, so, uh, and again, it's interesting to look at Gaia project uh, as um, a way to have um, uh, a comparison point. And I think if you look at Gaia project, that's even truer. I mean, the setup is even more contextual in Gaia project, and that makes faction very swingy in how strong they are. Um, mm. So uh, that's that's the case with the expansion too. I mean, some faction uh, will perform better uh, with uh, some of the uh, of the uh, extra scoring tasks. For example, diggers uh, will be stronger in edge game or outpost game. Um, shippers will be stronger for distance games. And then you have like uh, jump jumpers. I guess you can call them so dwarves, factors. 
and uh, chaos magicians uh, who are not really jumpers but uh, who tend to do less town who are very comfortable with doing only one town and doing a lot of clusters uh, which will be stronger so uh, and there, there is this element of uh, contextuality that is added and I think um, that's mainly a good thing um, mm -hmm. I, I think usually again, if you if you think in terms of game design, uh, you want um, the understanding of players to uh, impact a game, uh, and the more uh, the the setup change from game to game, and more the more the context change from game to game, uh, the more that is important. The, I would say like the more variability you get in the setup and the more contextuality you get uh less experience is important so the fact that you've played many times uh, and the more like the way you understand the game is important for example just uh, maybe as a parallel uh if uh i mean if you've played a base map a lot in Jaramistica, you know that uh gray and green don't interact well with each other. That's something that you can't realize out of experience. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean you realize that. It doesn't mean that you understand it. If you have now a modern map, if you will have a modern map, like they have in Gaia Project, for example, uh, you have to understand the interaction with the faction without having learned them from experience. And I think that's good. For game design, it means that um, it rewards understanding rather than experience. And I think that generally is something you want to aim for. And I think that's something that the expansion adds. It makes games different from game to game, uh, the setup different from game to game, and uh, force you to think the game anew every time. And I think that's that's very good. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't sort of thought about it in that term those terms. So yeah, that's yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, it it has a big drawback, though. Uh, I think many in many ways uh, the expansions was the expansion uh, as a whole was perfect for a site like Stillman. Uh, it kind of corrected all uh, the problems the game had, and there was two main problems. I think. Uh, well, the main problem it was that. Um, Sometimes a faction will be out of the game from the start. I mean, you you will not play from first or first uh, place because uh, I don't know there the faction matchup will, will not work. So uh, like in the famous like Darklings, uh, engineers and cultists, then the fourth player is, is screwed. <laughs> the mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they kind of corrected that with the new faction. I think that's very good. Uh, however, um, with the extra scoring child, uh, it adds like more ways to score, so it corrected the problem of Earth One being too important, and that's uh, that's how they fix the game, I believe. But uh, for um, a site like BGA, who play with, um, I think now auction is very very well implemented, and I think that people will not go back to play without auction. Uh, but the fact that this extra scoring tile makes the game more contextual will be a problem for auction. Uh, because, again, 
if I, I believe the expansion is designed in the view that everyone picks the faction they think best for a setup. And when everyone does that, that's fine. It worked. The expansion is awesome. I, I really, really like it. Uh, what we've seen on BGA and uh, what happened more and more, I believe that's what we go went on, was that player pick factions um, that uh, are not good for the setup, you know? Mm. <laughs> So yeah, but in difficult factions, yeah. Yeah, and in the, with the idea of creating chaos, uh, of uh, making it difficult for good players to assess what was going on. Uh, and uh, often you will see like huge gaps between factions uh, because of that. And with the expansion, that will be worst. I mean, uh, if you have like, for example, a faction like, Fakirs say uh, that is sandwich. Uh, that's already very bad. I mean, uh, it's not clear that you'll have enough of the thirty points to uh, to auction to auction well. Uh, but if the extra scoring requirement uh, is stronghold sanctuary distance, <laughs> then yeah, then it's <laughs> even harder to. To to auction well, uh, so I think uh, for an auction game, uh, the way I placed um, BG auction, I think that that's going to be uh, difficult, problematic. Yeah, and you'd see sort of zero bids being necessary compared to the thirty bid of yeah of that poor Fakir's yeah. position, for example. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And when the discrepancies become so big, it's not just the fact that you run out of points to bid, but then you, when you're bidding on like a 40, it is like, are the Darklings 45 or are they 46 points worse than, or better than Fakir's? It's like it all just becomes a bit nonsensical. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, this, uh, and you can imagine also the length of such an auction. I think that's, that's not good, and you see exactly that on Gaia Project too. I think that Gaia Project is a game that can is is not well suited to the kind of auction that you have on BGA, and mm -hmm. that's something that will have to be think. I think uh, with, with the expansion coming to BGA, uh, I know that Gaia Project had a new auction system, which might be better or might worth considering. Um, that that's a subject for another time. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, maybe like so. You were asking like general points about uh, extra scoring tiles. So there was more ways to score. There was contextuality. I I have another one that people um, often don't think of, which I think is very interesting. Um, mm. And. Uh, it's predictability, so it adds predictability to the game, and in the sense uh, that if you have distance, for example, I'll have a little more of a hunch on how uh, opponents are going to develop, uh, what will be their game plan, you know. Um, and same is true for about all uh, extra scoring. So uh, it's. A funny thing because I think predictability is a good thing. For, 
when you say like oh, it makes the game more productive, it seems like a bad thing. But I think on the opposite, I believe productivity is a good thing. Um, and you know, uh, it, you you kind of see it with starting spots uh, when you auction on a game and you don't know where people are going to start. Sometimes it can completely impact the game, right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, someone position himself at a place that you were not expecting completely uh, change uh, the thing that you were expecting uh, to do in that game. And I think usually that's not very good for the game. You want to have a certain amount of predictability uh, in the game. And uh, these extra point tile adds that. They help with that. Um, and um, so you'll uh, you'll have a better idea of how opponents are going to develop what they are planning to do that will impact the way where you decide to upgrade where you decide to build to have more leech uh mm. it will impact like uh, your general the player with the better understanding again will have like yeah. more information uh to uh to build a strategy and play around like a i guess yeah so like a basic example would be if it's stronghold sanctuary distance and one player has a temple in a spot you know that they're probably going to be upgrading that temple to a sanctuary at some point once the game gets near the end and they're probably going to do it in a big buildings round if there's one available sort of thing yeah uh, so yeah, this sort of thing, uh, if it's edged and you know that your opponents are going to direct in this direction, if it's distance, you know that people will try to walk the diagonals, the, the great diagonals, because that's where you get get the greatest distance. distance. So mm. yeah, that's, that adds this element, which I, I always found was uh, interesting inform uh, information. Uh, again, uh, it will be interesting to see how much people will be able to manage that in live games. My main experience as most people with uh, extra scoring is uh, on async uh, games. So that's a time where you really have times to to process like this kind of thing but to try to like uh, look at the game on the perspective of each player and trying to see always oh, trying to achieve that. Um, so, yeah. So I, I I expect like the people with uh, the faster processor <laughs> for thinking in uh, the faster brain will will have uh, even better time uh, with this once once uh, they kind of get the used to uh, how, how how that works and for playing with uh, deep finesse already a couple of games the extra spawning tile. Uh, I can tell you that I expect that the deep finesse and nerd cubes of, of this world uh, will get even better. Uh, with, with okay. A scary new world <laughs> for us, for us mediocre players. <laughs> oh, fun! So what? So what? What you've got? What are the words you've got? So we've got predictability. Uh, what are the other three? What the words you used? Uh, one one I used was contextuality. Uh, so it makes the game more contextual. Uh, and I I don't have a word in ending with why for the other. I just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> expandability or uh, <laughs> yeah, greediness greed yeah probability <laughs> well we'll think about it this is doing it live doing it live is harder than when you could record it in advance yeah. <laughs> well exactly. not live exactly. you know what i mean uh cool um i'm i'm happy with that in terms of discussing these but do you th do you think there's anything more that we should you're you're the expert do you think there's anything more we should say or have you got anything more that you wanted to say about these extra scoring uh, i think it covers uh the main points that i had in mind i think that again it's an introduction there's there will be like uh we could do a podcast on each of them, really, I believe. <laughs> uh, but uh, on the, for the general points, I think that's pretty much covered them, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I really like that strategy. And I, yeah, it's a really interesting way of thinking about them, about whether they reward experience players or like players with a good understanding. And yeah, that's something I guess I'd, I've kind of thought of with regards to exactly like you said, it's the green gray thing on base map that is purely an experience thing. And you wouldn't really be able to work that out from a first play of that map. It, unless you are like some weird genius, it requires the experience to know that, but kind of understanding that, yeah, like, okay, there's edge scoring. So I'm going to build my way to the edges or I'm going to plan where I'm going to put my clusters is yeah. That's yeah, but the thing cool like it it's edge, so I'm gonna build toward the edge. That's that's easy. But uh, what's very interesting, it's always the dilemma that you get. So, how much are you ready to sacrifice to get more on the edge? And at what point should you give up? Should you like say um, that oh, it doesn't work going for edge in this game? There will be too much competition. I'm going to do something else. Uh, and Maybe that's the one thing we, we I, I'm just thinking of that we didn't cover. Uh, that uh, it's interesting, um, the, these extra scoring tiles, because of the dilemma, they always uh, put you with. So uh, it, and you have like to feel how much it's worth uh, playing for them. You'll see like some players. Um, they see the extra scoring tiles, and you see that a lot in Gaia Project too. Like players who think that the ones who win the extra scoring tile win the game, <laughs> and and then you just mm. don't put so much effort. You just end up scoring twelve points less than them on the extra scoring, say, but you score a lot more on everything else. And uh, so that's. That's really like uh, the point about uh, the understanding of the game. It's not so much like, oh, I need to build my structure on the edge and I need to find a way to do this. It's more the question of how much you sacrifice. You know, how much is worth to sacrifice to attain this objective, and how much others are trying to sacrifice to attain this objective. And that's that's the really really interesting question it, it asks you. Yeah, I've had a few games where it's like, where everyone is on, I think it was on, no, it was a turn based on BGA. And it's like, we were all on sort of a distance of five or six for the Stronghold Sanctuary. And like I didn't really want to build mine, but I knew that if I built it, I'd get like six. But 
someone could only get five and then it's like oh do i want to build this stronghold that's going to get me nothing and yeah that's where the planning yeah. comes in and sort of planning that in advance is the skill i guess exactly that's like a great example the the, the kind the, the, this dilemma of does it work that uh is is the sweet spot in, in game designing i believe like uh it's the more meaningful decision you get in the game, the more interesting it's going to be. And, and what I like about the Express Coin trial is it adds meaningful decisions to the game. Mm, nice, nice. Uh, cool, very good. Um, so quickly, I've, I've, I've actually only got about 10 minutes or so, but a quick uh, mention for your awesome Yetis guide that you did make. <laughs> um so i i because like i said i i was thinking of making the ice faction guide i couldn't watch it at first i had to wait because <laughs> i thought i'm gonna wait until after doing the ice guide because then maybe i don't want to just sort of ask all the questions that are in your video you know i wanted to kind of come in fresh out to it so i didn't watch it for a few days until after i watched the guide and then i watched it and um it's glorious. It's like the the old ultimate guides, but in a single. How long is it? Sort of seven minutes? Is it long? I'm just looking. Um, but with some some funny, like film inserts, and it looks like it probably took quite a long time to edit and get all those clips, right? Yeah, yeah, it took a long time to do. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I I had uh, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of work too. So uh, I I was. Uh, it it uh, it's it was fun to do something different. You uh, that's that's kind of the challenge I had for this one. I I wanted to do something different, and um, yeah, I I I was very happy with the result. Yeah, it's very cool. So yeah, and obviously, um, really useful is a Yeti's kind of. So firstly, are you, I I get the impression you're not planning on doing any of the other expansion guides or expansion factions, or certainly not now, anyway. Yeah, I'm not excluding it. Uh, right now, I'm just not so much uh, in the... Um, I don't know, you do, you do this kind of thing for fun. <laughs> if you feel... Uh, uh, I'll do them if I feel like to, and right now my my mind is just at other places. So, uh, but I'm not excluding maybe doing more uh, in the future. Yeah, I'm just reading one of the comments. Oh no, he learned about fair use. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, are Yetis like are they your preferred faction, or are they just the ones you feel like you understand, or were they the most fun to write the guide for? Why, why Yetis? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I think uh, I my my favorite expansion faction is uh, the Acolytes. I think that's they are so mm -hmm. much fun to to play. Uh, I. Yeah, I, I think I don't have really a reason. I think I started with Yetis. Uh, they are uh, easy to explain. Uh, they are uh, easy to like, too, I think. Uh, I mean, I remember the first game I played with Yetis. Uh, it felt like having infinite resources, and, and that's a great feeling. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's, that's the reason. 
um yeah that that it's the one that when it got announced or even before it was announced a lot of people were like i want to play yetis i want to play yetis so yeah yeah i'm sure we'll see a lot of yetis play a lot of yetis uh, hopefully not too many dragon lords i'm a little worried about that one. Oh, i've had some frightening games with with dragon lords in uh i'm playing a <laughs> i'm currently playing a turn-based game and i'm for kears and it's with it's with super ghostly and Ransfong and I'm Fakirs against Dragon Lords is it Yetis or Ice Maidens and Shapeshifters and the Fakirs are just like screwed. They're just they've got no chance <laughs> against those guys. Poor Fakirs. And yeah, just like so... seeing all my hexes just vanishing before my eyes. Mm. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that that's a good example of the way expansion might uh, impact auction uh, in not necessarily a good way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That there's the extra scoring, and then there's the yeah these mad factions that can. Oh, I tell a lie. It's actually acolytes. I'm looking at. It's not dragon lords, but even the acolytes have gobbled up a lot of my hexes very quickly. Oh yeah, acolytes can actually be more aggressive than than, uh. than dragon lords. I I have like uh, when I was playing in the fire and ice ladder, uh, I have like many games against Kaj, and Kaj is kind of a specialist of acolytes, and he's always playing the acolytes. And you look at these games, he always has a strategy to uh, use their abilities to block me, <laughs> which I say. And they are all interesting games. I really enjoy them. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, cool. Well, yeah, it's um, yeah, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, back to your guide. It's been really fun seeing the sort of injection of humor into the guides as you've gone on. So yeah, I I really like them, and everyone loves them. Everyone finds them useful. Thank you. I I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I also want to use this occasion to thank you for doing these podcasts. I think like that's such a great community as a well, whole, and uh, that's really fun. To, I think that's a very very fun addition. Uh, hearing like uh, the different voices of players and the idea. I think that's a very good format. I really really appreciate that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's nice. It's yeah. It's been very fun making these, and yeah, I do. Yeah, it is nice to hear some different people. And we have a few, maybe like, well, some slightly new voices on these guides, which I was keen to to get in some, yeah, maybe people that folks haven't heard before and get them some new voices. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to, to listen to them. Cool, cool. Um, great. Yeah, like, thank you very much for doing this. Um, yeah, really fun um and useful uh yeah i'm i'm hoping that it will well i'm gonna try and sort of release these sort of fire and ice it's gonna be quite a few like around when they come out of beta which i think is october ransom says so yeah should be out around then cool all right well thanks for having me it was a lot of fun cool um enjoy the rest of your weekend okay you too take care see you man Bye-bye.
Okay, so that was Zoras talking about the extra scoring options in the Fire and Ice expansion and the um and his Yeti's guide. So yeah, there you go. When you're playing with those uh extra scorings, extra tiles, think about your big games, think about you that know, you're gonna be expanding more for the network scoring and for the combined big games if you if you're a player who likes to take earth one reliably maybe think about taking an economy favor tile so your fire one your earth two uh, or even your air two to give you that economy to hit the extra scoring hard if you get those 18 points on an extra scoring tile that can compensate you for anything you would have got from earth one and, and give you more economy besides um and yeah then think about your planning and and how um those extra tiles really prescribe well not prescribe but they do uh really lean you towards one faction over another more than playing a base game so uh like Zora said the dwarves and the fakirs really lend themselves towards clusters and a, a digging faction like darklings or halflings that really might make you get something like the edge scoring where you can chew through the edges um so yeah really interesting i hope it's useful uh like i mentioned this is the first of a series of um episodes and guides with regards to the fire and ice expansion coming to board game arena so we're going to have an episode with so not a guide but just him talking about what's in the expansion but also how he did it and how he maintains um the implementation and then we've got three guides with some some high level expert players to give you an idea of how to play these these tricky expansion factions so uh the dragon lords and the acolytes for volcano the ice maidens and the yetis for the ice factions and the variable factions which are shapeshifters and the wacky river walkers um so yeah i hope this is useful um thanks thanks very much everyone <laughs>